0: Welcome in once again to the Talking Tide Podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, and Southern Fried Sports Radio, along as always, twice a week, right here at our web host at Podbean.com. You can also get the Talking Tide Podcast at various apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. The Twitter feed talking underscore tide keep up with our pod drops there and we preview the Alabama Georgia game here on uh, a midweek evening Travis and all the news abuzz today in Tuscaloosa Nick Saban testing positive for COVID-19 Greg Byrne as well uh, the athletic director uh, but uh, th- the, the biggest name in coaching approaching the biggest game of the college football season to date. And he's, and he's put out by the, by virus, Travis
1: Uh, and certain at best. I think we were both in on the zoom call that he conducted, give that to Nick Saban, right? He wasn't going to break his post-practice or his practice routine for anybody. He still took in Wednesday's practice via uh, teleconferencing, I guess. And then still did his Wednesday, Wednesday post practice newser. So, uh, you know, in watching that and hearing him, uh, sounded good, looked good, actually it was borderline jovial, I, I would describe him. Uh, Poke some fun at himself, um, you know, as he said, asymptomatic. And, you know, you got the sense from him that he almost, I think, feels like, if he doesn't entirely, that he could very well go into the, uh, or get tested. I guess he won't be going anywhere. He'll get tested tomorrow. And I, I, I think it's going to take a couple of positives for it to really register for Nick Saban that, yeah. you know, he is actually positive. Perhaps
0: it had to have flipped his lid though. Just knowing the kind of personality he is, um, mm-hmm ever the planner ever the worker ever the so organized and this and that uh he's told people before travis media assistant coaches alike uh i can handle bad news but i hate surprises
1: yeah so, And well, you talk about the surprise <laughs> of all surprises
0: exactly exactly I, I i i can't imagine um what he's going although you knowing nick saban like we do travis every contingency plan imaginable had to have been in place, right? I mean, if I, if I asked you to pick one coach in America to have uh, a, a, a thick playbook of contingency plans for COVID, Nick Saban's the guy, right?
1: He would be, yeah. And so when you thought about candidates, and again, this is all secondary. Well, first and foremost, we hope that Nick Saban and Greg Byrne are able to you know, maintain their health throughout all this, and um, you know, get back to uh, what they typically do on a regular basis in a in a reasonable amount of time. But yeah, obviously. And then you look at again the candidates that are on that staff. Sark made a lot of sense. Is sort of the next guy up. Uh, Kyle Flood has head coaching experience. Uh, you know, you've got a couple of analysts on this staff that that have head coaching experience, but yeah, Sark would make the most sense. You know, there's some things that we'll get into. I'm sure that'll be interesting if it does play out. In fact that Nick's either limited at best in terms of his involvement out altogether, perhaps um, you know, how that impacts that coaching staff as a whole uh, you know, some scenarios maybe in which they're able to, I don't know, maybe they're able to call up a coach from the, the analysts or support staff, uh, you know, if he isn't able to go or isn't fully available for Georgia on Saturday night.
0: Yeah. um, So many, so many things go into it. Does the light shine a little brighter on Pete Golding in this game, minus a head coach at all?
1: Well, it, yeah, it's already blinding.
0: I would say after Ole Miss, but,
1: Yeah, the perception, fair or not, with Pete Golding right now is that he needs all of the support he can get. And so Saban, obviously, uh, widely considered as one of the the best defensive minds uh, in recent football history, for sure. You know, if Saban isn't there, and even if Saban is and he's not right there, at least among fans and Pete Golding detractors, we'll say, It'll be a sense of dread, I think, going into that game Saturday night, if that's the way it plays out.
0: No doubt about it. Did You, you noted Nick Saban uh, didn't seem all that upset uh, on his Zoom conference today. Did you notice he actually lauded his view of practice via Zoom, said you could see, uh, basically kind of described it like a press box view. So I imagine they probably linked up one of those overhead cameras, one of those practice cameras, Travis, and oh, gave yeah. Nick it gave him like an all 22 view from his house. And he noted in his Zoom conference with the media today that it, it he saw a heck of a lot more than he did from the sideline. Almost, by the way, remember, uh, he's told this story a few times. I know you've heard it, Travis. Uh, but when he coached for Bill Belichick, Belichick, pretty much dragged him from the press box to the sideline, kicking and screaming.
1: Yeah, I think, and you said it, he, he liked uh, the, the vantage point, you know, and sort of being able to to take it all in. And there, there's probably, you know, more of a sense of being able to be within your thoughts up there, right? Because there isn't so much going on around you down on the field. You don't have officials. You're not, you know, you don't have plays coming right at you you can really stay in the moment uh and in fact be a player two ahead uh in that particular scenario. But uh yeah, it was very interesting to hear from him on Wednesday evening. And uh how would you like to be that manager too, by the way, who had the phone <laughs> or that was having to tell everybody what Nick was saying, you know, from uh from Northeast Tuscaloosa.
0: Run it again. Run it again. Run it again.
1: Did the manager have like a bullhorn up next to the to the phone, you know, I wonder yeah. Nick's just screaming through that thing.
0: Yeah, that, that's got to be the most authority any GA's ever had, at least for a short <laughs> period of time. Um, but,
1: he was asked, he was asked, by the way, by Mike Casagrande <laughs> of AL.com, how much autonomy <laughs> would Steve Sarkeesian have? I, we, I we, that, haven't, yeah. we
0: haven't discuss, we haven't really discussed
1: <laughs> that yet, Nick said.
0: Michael, Michael, Michael chose just the right word. Maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was great. That was great.
0: What about TV ratings? What about the spread? I mean, uh, the same as absence. I, I think TV ratings spike. I think a lot of people intrigue. Are just yeah. yeah, casual observers of, of college football may not be locked in on a Saturday night necessarily. Maybe NFL fans who aren't huge college fans, what have you. They spread. They. Jump in there, just see how Alabama looks with him not even around. And also,
1: and, you know, where's he at? Where's Nick Saban at? You know, oh, that's
0: what people you are know. Know. You know, CBS would be dot. Di- CBS, I'm sure, will ask, can we get oh, a sure. camera in, in, in Nick's house? And I expect told no. If told no. If this was, if this was a, an ESPN slash SEC game, though, Travis, I wonder if Nick, the SEC network could, could wedge a camera in there or no. I don't know. CBS
1: pays a, writes a pretty good check too, you know. Yeah, um,
0: oh, but you th- know? the alignment though, maybe, the maybe. alignment between this, the league and the and the world. Oh, sure.
1: I mean, there is. Um, maybe puts maybe uh, attach Nick to the skycam above the field. You know, you could just put him up there or something. No, I mean it's going to be you got his you know, audio I, though, I,
0: I, <laughs> to put that audio.
1: That audio would have to go seven-second delay, right? Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, But uh, it'll be – I agree. I think there'll be a lot of fascination about how does this look and where is he at and how is this all being managed without Nick Saban on an Alabama sideline potentially for the first time since 2006. I mean, the guy's been around for 13 seasons and some change now. You know that's 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 a long long time, especially in today's coaching climate. So I agree. I think that it could be even bigger numbers than you would anticipate.
0: Does it does it move the spread or no?
1: I think I saw where the line is now at four. Maybe
0: <laughs> how many points is Nick worth out yeah. to, to, to the Vegas man?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's at four. You know, Nick said on Wednesday evening he thought the Wednesday practice was one of the best that that they've had, and it was when he wasn't there. You know, he kind of got a kick out of that. So, you know, it could go... I know the, the psychological aspect of this is going to be talked about in terms of how it impacts the players and the team because, again, you know, this isn't a figurehead kind of guy, either in the practice week or on game day. And he's very much involved in hands-on. So you know, how do they respond to that? Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I've told the story before. It's, it's not at the level of Alabama football, but you know, it's coaching little league baseball with our guy, Dr. Jack Smalley, uh, many years ago, our oldest was probably 10, 11 years old. And we went into a, this kind of losing streak and we weren't playing really well. And, we were coaching our butts off and doing everything we could. And, you know, we were frustrated and we had just gotten drilled, probably run ruled or something. And the, the decision was made. Okay. Well, you know what? They're not hearing us or they're not responding to us. Let's let them coach themselves for a game, you know? And so, yeah, you know, that way they'll, they'll come to appreciate, Or, you know, maybe feel like they need us more than they realize. Well, eh, they went out there by themselves out there at Kentuck Park and dined, you know, one of the better teams in the league without Dr. Jack and the rest of us. So, uh, yeah. I don't know if we figured out that was a good or a bad thing, but it just, it just tells you, you know, how it it can go either way. And maybe we got to get Dr. Jack on the air
0: one of these days and share that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. That was a good one with Dr. Jack, but yeah, I mean the psychological aspect of this, does it, does it play a big role in the game? Is it um, you know, is Alabama because it is staffed in a way with its resources able to absorb some of this in a way in which it's not as big of a deal as maybe some are anticipating it to be. Does it put more pressure on Kirby Smart if Nick Saban's not on the sideline? I mean
0: Yeah. If
1: not with Nick out of the mix, if it plays out that way, then when for mm-hmm. Kirby Smart or any of these Saban
0: disciples <laughs> for that matter. Uh 21 if georgia wins do they say 21 and one with an asterisk nick saban versus assistance <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
1: nick would be like uh jake lamotta and raging bull he still didn't yeah. put me down kirby couldn't put nick's me down big,
0: nick's biggest fans will say oh that doesn't even count at all it still, it's still no no funny. no
1: if, if it go if it
0: goes that way the hardcore
1: bama fans are going to be like D-, you know that's 20 and definitely definitely an asterisk yeah
0: definitely <laughs> uh 13 minutes into the Talking Tide podcast preview in Georgia and Alabama. We'll start previewing Georgia and Alabama yeah. uh, on the football field. Travis, matchup of top five teams, game of the year in college football so far. Maybe the game of the year in the nation by the time it's all said and done. Uh, your thoughts on Alabama and Georgia coming in, both obviously 3-0. and Both have gotten to 3-0 and in pretty different ways.
1: Yeah, I think the self-esteem maybe for Georgia, uh, at least in that fan base, seems to be a little bit higher coming off that win over Tennessee last Saturday as compared to what we saw from Alabama with an emphasis on the defensive side of the ball, obviously, and the win over Ole Miss. But I've said it really since the end of the game Saturday night. Styles make fights. Every game, every matchup is different. And I think this one is a good bit different. Uh, in terms of styles, uh, offensively for Georgia, not going to bring a lot of tempo at you. At least they typically have not under Kirby smart, um, personnel wise. There's some differences. I would be surprised if Georgia didn't do some things, especially at running back with the kind of backs that Georgia has. Uh, if we don't see a particular kind of back, maybe more than we typically would, I think, uh, you know, my my point of emphasis on that is uh, more along the lines with, you know, Zamir White, who is typically Georgia's top back. Uh, you know, he's more along the lines of a Isaiah Spiller, um, you know, maybe a Larry Roundtree of Missouri, whereas a guy like Kenny McIntosh, he's one of these versatile guys, a little more dynamic, and you can do a few more things with him as a receiver out of the backfield. And we know the matchups that have given Alabama's, defense problems especially over these last two games Um, and it all happens in the middle of the field that that's where it's going to start for Alabama I do think you know you've got to make Stetson Bennett beat you outside the numbers the Georgia quarterback because watching him again against Tennessee and also Auburn uh, really really works the middle of the field very nicely and again that sort of plays into where Alabama's biggest strengths have been on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Does it help Alabama at all, in your opinion, Travis, that this Georgia offense is, doesn't look anything like most of the offenses that hurt Alabama, frankly? Uh, it, it, like you mentioned, there won't be as much tempo. I think you might you – know, you'll, you'll see more backs and tight ends here and there, maybe a little bit of an opportunity for Alabama to play, actually play base some, uh, a bit, and yeah. – And they don't have to worry about the quarterback running for 130 yards.
1: Yeah, Georgia has opened each of its first three games in two tight end looks. So your point about the base defense being in play this week uh, is a good one, because that will be the case. Um, You know, Georgia does utilize uh, multiple tight end sets. Trey McKitty, the grad transfer from Florida State, we saw against Tennessee sort of ramp it up. A little bit as a receiver, so you know we know what the tight end has done to Alabama the last couple of weeks, Uh, and again the backs too out of the backfield. I I think on the outside you feel pretty good if you're Alabama with Patrick Sertan the second and Josh Job out there, and you know how you sort of match up with George Pickens. But once you start to get inside the numbers and you get into Kyrus Jackson, the slot receiver, who had four catches for 91 yards against Tennessee last week in a touchdown. And you get into the tight end stuff and uh, the backs in the middle of the field. That's, that's where you're going to have a few more concerns, and especially with Jordan Battle out for the first half you know, on Saturday. So you know, who's going to be your two safeties to open that game? Is it going to be Daniel Wright and DeMarco Ellums? If you connect dots, that would be the most sensible duo. We know that Wright has certainly had his problems when it comes to tackling. You know, he's taken some chances in coverage as well, but he's also a fourth year junior. And you got to take into consideration who's going to run the show out there uh, from a play caller, from a, a checks and making calls perspective, you know, until battle can get back out there in the third quarter.
0: From the perspective of Georgia's defense versus the Alabama offense, I think Georgia, Georgia's defense very clearly is, is vastly outplayed Alabama's to this point in the season. Although one similarity, Chad, I think the strength of both these defenses is at the linebacker spot. Uh, like Alabama's linebackers still, uh, like Georgia's as well. Um, how do you see Alabama with the running game, the offensive lines seem to be in sync right now, matching up with that Georgia defensive front.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's what a lot of people are going to be interested in is you know, matchups like you're going to have starting with the tackles and Leatherwood and Neal for Alabama and Ojolari, uh, you know, is already right there in the top two or three in the SEC when it comes to sacks. Tackles for loss for Georgia. He had two sacks of Jared Guarantano last week in the Tennessee game Uh, and there's depth in that front seven for Georgia Uh, you know and Georgia has been able to get pressure a lot of times with just four guys now Dan Lanning the defensive coordinator for Georgia he likes to bring some zone pressures where it looks like you're getting five or six but you're actually getting four and then he'll drop some guys into the zone and maybe man it up a little bit on the outside with Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell a couple of really good corners but um, you know I think the big thing's going to be is like what we saw from Mac last week in the passing game he was so patient Uh, Ole Miss was intent on taking away the the ball over the top and you know he stayed patient and and and, and took what was there and allowed his receivers to do a lot of work after the catch and you know, I think he's going to have to do some of that this week, too. I, I think there's going to be times this week where you're going to have to eat the football maybe, too. You know, don't don't get loose with it. Don't try to make something happen that isn't there. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting with Mac because he's it feels like he's already played a ton of football for Alabama Chase. But in terms of that one win to this point, uh, he's still kind of in search of that. And, I mean, it's Sing not it going to get any bigger. It's not
0: going to get any bigger than Saturday night. No, yeah, no, it it definitely won't for Mac Jones, and I think you know you mentioned how Georgia might come pressure wise look this way, come another bring four. We know this at the very least. We're not going to see three because nobody hates the three man rush more than Kirby Smart, right? Uh, <laughs> he he's comment he commented on that when he was the, the DC at Alabama. Um, I, I I think if I think if there was a a, a three man rush in the playbook anywhere. he, kind of looked at it like it was toilet paper, right, Travis?
1: Yeah, he wasn't crazy about it. Um, And like I said, they they show a lot of pressure, but that doesn't mean there's five or more coming most of the time. Uh, You know, and it sounds a little weird, but if you're Alabama, you want Georgia to get to the point where it feels like it's got to bring that extra guy. Um, Because, you know, if it comes down to it as well, I I think Alabama can go to some six, seven-man protection if they really need to. To protect Mac Jones because when you have the kind of wide receivers they have, you can afford to send three guys out in the route, and one of those guys is still gonna get open as good as they are. So, you know, it's not a situation where, well, we don't really have a dynamic one or two, and so we got to get more guys out into the route, you know, to try to to get some people open. You can you can protect with seven. Um, and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle still gonna find a a place to get open. I don't think Alabama will look to do that in the game all that much, but if it comes down to it, they have that capability. And, you know, I think too, the the run game is going to be important, but I, I'm going to have my eye on scrimmage yards for the backs for both these teams in this game, because I, I do think just straight up running the football is going to be difficult. Um, and so that's where, if you're Najee Harris and your ability to get some things done as a receiver, uh, that could be big in this game. I talked about, you know, the Georgia backs and Zamir White, and I think that Kenny McIntosh is maybe a guy that we're going to see more of because he gives them something as a receiver, uh, kind of like a TJ Yeldon that way, uh, more so than Zamir White does. So. Yeah, scrimmage yards for the backs, too. I mean, I think if either of these teams have a back that even surpasses 100 scrimmage yards between rushing and receiving, that team's probably going to be in pretty good shape.
0: The last two weeks for Alabama, we've seen just a little bit of that Jalen Waddle in the backfield look um your thought do we can does that continue to be in your opinion travis something that we see just kind of for a player two week after week or do you see maybe that that formation evolving into into something more
1: you know it's interesting because you can pretty much run that as just a jet sweep you know and as a as a what is technically a pass right we see so many cheap completions by teams in college football really the nfl too where you know it's a it's considered a pass the ball goes all of three feet in the air maybe you know um but we have seen alabama actually hand it and of course i think a lot of coaches will tell you they like the little bit of a toss because if it goes mishandled it's an incompletion right it's not a it's not a fumble and you know a negative play and or a, a turnover um but I, I do think Alabama, to work the edges in the run game, it's a good thing. A uh, little more juice when you do it with Jalen Waddle and or Devontae Smith as compared to, say, Najee Harris or uh, Brian Robinson. Also, I was thinking about this, too. When you hand it to Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith, they can then throw it maybe off of that chase. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas you toss it to them, you can't throw two forward passes. Just something to think about. Who knows? Maybe at some point down the road, something, probably something too to get Georgia thinking about it. You know, the, the coaches think that way.
0: Talk inside podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in the Twitter feed, talking to underscore tide. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryder with you talking to Alabama football. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors right now beginning with North River Dental Associates and the aforementioned baseball coach and outstanding dentist, Dr. Jack Smalley, and his professional staff do every kind of dental work there is, whether it's porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, teeth whitening services, endodontics, dentures. They do it all, and they do a fantastic job. If you're in Tuscaloosa, You need a little work on those choppers. Maybe your family needs some dental work. Give them a call at North River Dental. The phone number is 752-3506. Also, you can make an appointment online at NorthRiverDentist.com. Now, they're going to have you in and out of there in under an hour with a typical routine cleaning over there at North River Dental Associates. They do a great job. Check them out. It's North River Dental.
1: I'm going to tell you about Southern Alehouse at 1530 McFarland Boulevard, North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. There's always something going on at Southern Alehouse. If it's a Tuesday, then you're going to have your craft brews and burgers. They always have a lot of fun with that on Tuesdays. Thursdays, you're going to find live entertainment out there on that fabulous deck area, that patio area. They have their uh, outdoor seating galore at Southern Alehouse. And look, This time of year, doesn't get any better weather-wise to do just that. So uh, just the all-around experience, culinary options. I mean, we've told you a million times the food is so good. Try that pork chop next time you're in there, that bone-in, center-cut pork chop. Yes, it's about an inch thick or so, maybe more, and they'll also do it with a chutney on top. It's outstanding stuff. Really, really good pork chop there at Southern House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. You're not going to go wrong with any of the options here at SAH. Also want to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. It is a home game weekend. It is the, well, the Auburn game too, I guess. But certainly a huge one with Georgia uh, t- scheduled to be in town this weekend. And look, if you're downtown where a lot of folks are going to be, Heat Pizza Bar is not only your best option on a game day, it's so easy to access because it's located right there at the central parking deck, right there in the middle of downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Weeknight specials you're gonna find there. You can get those pepperoni pizzas on Monday nights for just six bucks, half-priced bottles of wine. Tuesday nights, it's gonna be. The Thai chicken pizza for just $7. It just goes on and on and on. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza.
0: Talk of Tide Podcast at podbean.com. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer closing things out, looking around the Southeastern Conference. Travis, I guess, why not? As long as, as long as we open the show, talking about Nick Saban being out, how about a couple entire games being out Florida at, excuse me, LSU at Florida postponed Vanderbilt at Missouri postponed as well. Uh, Dan Mullen, Travis, just three days off of saying he wanted 90 (laughs) K in the swamp. What about that? Was
1: that the most Dan Mullen thing ever? (laughs) I mean, you hate it for the team. And again, you know, it, it's a serious situation. We understand that, but you know, just when you think Dan Mullen can up Dan Mullen, he totally ups Dan Mullen with uh, that little stretch there. Oof. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, it, as you said, it it is sort of been this dreadful drum beat picking up throughout the week when you got the word about Missouri and Vanderbilt and then, Here comes Florida with its positive tests, and now you learn about Nick Saban at midweek. It's just been a stretch here that, look, this is why they built the schedule the way they did, though, right? I mean, the bye weeks there right in the middle, Uh, that weekend of December the 12th, the concern you have there is it's already starting to fill up, you know? So you wanted to try to keep that weekend of the 12th as clean as you could for as long as you could, and we're only three weeks in, and we're already putting games off to December the 12th.
0: I'd be needing a couple shots of NyQuil to go to sleep at night if I was Greg Sankey this yeah. week. I
1: mean, yeah, so, uh, it's, it's been what you have hoped it wouldn't be, especially this early in the season, because who knows? Who knows who knows what knows anything anymore when it comes to this? Because as we heard from Nick Saban Wednesday, and 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 I'm not down – downplaying the need to take precautions but i mean he pretty much said himself i've done everything i've worn the mask i've socially distanced uh everything outside of just straight isolation yeah. and he still doesn't know how or where he may have picked it up Sounds so like
0: travel might be what is
1: suspicious. yeah and that's that's what i was thinking too um not to be totally uh not to totally speculate on it but also if burn greg burn makes that trip you know on, on the on the way to oxford with the team i'm not sure if he did or not yeah you start piecing some things together but um yeah it's just it's not been the stretch that the uh the league needs right now
0: uh texas and m at mississippi state travis we'll talk about a couple of games i guess that will go off uh your thoughts on that one, jimbo fisher uh, falling out of the top 10, goes on the road, taking on uh, Mike Leach and uh, Mississippi State. Could be a high-scoring game there. Could be an interesting one to watch.
1: It could, and I'm just interested to see what A&M's response to finally beating a top-five team under Jimbo is. Can they handle it, essentially, is what I'm saying. you got a veteran quarterback. You know, You brought back a lot of starters from last year. Jimbo's been there for a few years now. Uh, If that thing's really headed in a, in a positive direction, um, you know, A&M will go into Starkville and, and take care of business because uh, Mississippi state's been dreadful on offense ever since LSU, what, six interceptions last week against Kentucky. Um, I mean, and even played the true freshman quarterback, uh, Will Rogers, Mike Leach did uh, there in the second half. So yeah, it's a, it's a show me game for me with A&M. If you've really started to turn a corner, um, you, you'll do what you need to do at A&M. I mean, about, at uh, Mississippi state.
0: How about that old Miss at Arkansas game real quick before we get out of here, Sam, another
1: getting, one.
0: Getting yeah. Out of the that, I, I, a, I was listening to uh, Brent Beard on your radio show, show earlier today saying, you know, how, how close Arkansas could be to, to, to be sitting two and Oh, right.
1: Oh yeah. It should be two and Oh in the division. Should be two and zero in the West. I mean, you know, uh, that was clearly a a spike by Bo Nix late in that game at Auburn Saturday, and it was a clear recovery by Arkansas. That should have been the ball game, and if it had been, Arkansas would be two and zero in the division and two and one overall. And uh, that's another game though in Fayetteville where I, I I have trust issues. Okay, as great as as Ole Miss was offensively against Alabama and and as, as much love as Lane's been getting and that offensive staff and r- rightfully so this week, um, you know what travels better than anything uh, in the Southeastern Conference. Defense. And that's a, that's a defense. And for as much as we've talked about Ole Miss's offense, uh, just awful defensively. So we'll see. I mean, uh, Arkansas is, 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 I think, legitimized itself, at least initially under Sam Pittman and and a great opportunity to, to get the 500. And, you know, you think about the finish that Auburn game, you beat Ole Miss this week, Arkansas sitting there at three and one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hard to believe. All right, that's going to wrap things up here for the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us for the Sunday Nighter when we recap Alabama's home game against the Georgia Bulldogs for Travis Ryer of bamaonline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio. I'm Chase Goodbread of nfl.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you Sunday night right here on Talking Tide.